Welcome to another episode of the Stand Up Tragedy podcast. My name's Dave, and I'm here to bring you another amazing performance from our most recent live London event. Stand Up Tragedy was at the Dog Star in Brixton at the beginning of July, and we brought together some amazing acts, including comedian Charlie Harrison, true storyteller Daniel Simpson, performance artist Frog Morris, and our headliner, comedian Josie Long and that's naming only a few. We asked them to get on stage and perform something tragic because that's what we do. We try to get people to share their tragedy and offer our audiences a cathartic experience together in a room live. Poetry and spoken word is a brilliant medium for doing this. Poets use their words to share both their personal tragedies and to make sense and reflect on the tragedies they see in the world around them. Stand Up Tragedy are a proud part of PBH's Free Fringe, which basically is what it says on the tin. Comedy, spoken word, theatre, music, all of these shows are free entry. We pass around a hat at the end, but it's free entry and it's free for the artists to do, basically. So it supports the artists and it supports the audiences and it supports people making good stuff. And if you want to support the Free Fringe and you want to find out what's on offer for you up there for free, go to the website www.freefringe.co.uk Since we're part of the spoken word lineup for PBH's Free Fringe, we thought that we would showcase some of the amazing spoken word talent that the Free Fringe will be offering up in Edinburgh. We invited Faye Roberts, who is both an amazing poet and the director of the spoken word at PBH's Free Fringe, and veteran poet David Lee Morgan to perform some tragic spoken word at the Dog Star for our audience. Both of them will be performing for Stand Up Tragedy when we're up in Edinburgh at the Fiddler's Elbow from the 3rd to the 14th of August. So now let's have a listen to the tragedies that they shared and get a taste of what's waiting for you up at the Edinburgh Free Fringe. By contrast with the two gentlemen who've uh, just been up, I am very quiet, so I'm going to stick as close to this as I possibly can. Um, this first is very short. Um, it is. Uh, it has an extremely pretentious title, uh, but it makes up for it by being uh, A, true, B, short, <laughs> which helps. So, the title is, with the Greek tragedy and everything, Thanatos and Eros. She'd carved a runic cunt on the side of his car on that ancient borderland between codependent territories. The last two were okay, she says, but the first two letters were bastards, totally unsatisfactory. I reflect on texts for some knee-hugging seconds and suggest that next time she uses twat. (laughs) Eleven lines. Straight to the point. Thank you. Yeah, so that's, a, that's kind of a case of, of, of narrating, I guess, she says, as she slickly pulls something out of her pocket, makes it look really, really professional. Um, I took up the uh, Napo Rimo challenge, which is where you're supposed to try here. Try and write uh, a poem for every day in April. Um, so, yeah, you start writing about everything. It becomes a little peculiar. And about halfway through, I got really obsessed with the numbers. 
So from about eight or nine onwards, they were all sort of like themed around the numbers. And I got to 13, I thought, I need to stop now. But this is the last one. Having been on far too long on Wikipedia, surfing through what 13 means, this one is called Yours Always. She gets restless every four weeks, needs to complete her rounds, grounds herself in cleaning, a means to forget a past life. Darts about the house, ousting dust and grime while chanting against the, remem the, the remnants of remembrance, the chance that she might fall. She is warding against the tenets of fate, mistakes, missteps known alone by her, girded by hard work. Shrouded alone in dust, musty under locks, the box waits for the day her muster's not enough. For the day she stumbles, crumples up her will and spills colours under her pricking thumbs. What comes must come when gaudy pictures slide. Guide her back to truth ruthlessly laid out, doubt eradicated, debts repaid. She'll gaze at the, at the hand dealt, draw breath and gather all her swords again, blending her purpose and her magic, tragedy and death's hope. Thank you. Right, I swithered over what, what to do um, for, this, uh, for this set, um, none of my stuff being, very little of it being explicitly tragic, um, but we come to another true story. Um, it's gonna, we're going to have a little bit of, of background, historical background, so we feel about a tiny, tiny history lesson. Yeah? Whoa, good, good, academic fervour in the room, I like it. Um, so, yeah, basically, rewind. It is April 1561, and Queen Elizabeth has just passed a charter so that my hometown of Cambridge um, has given over a whole bunch of control to the university. Now, I'm not sure quite how this happened, but the university finds itself in charge of trading standards, basically how heavy is heavy, weights and measures and all that kind of thing, um, you know, rites of passage on various different bits of the river. And also, let's see if I can get this particularly... Right. This is this is a this is a this is a quote worth remembering. She says, failing to remember it, and reading it out instead. As well by day as by night, at their pleasure, might make scrutiny, search, and inquisition in the towns and suburbs, um, for all common women, boards, vagabonds, and other suspected persons, and punish all whom, on such scrutiny, search, and inquisition, they should find guilty or suspected of evil by imprisonment of their bodies, banishment, or otherwise, as the Chancellor or his Vicegerent sees fit. In other words, stop and search. <laughs> if you're a girl in the wrong place at the wrong time, evil. Stop and search, imprisonment. Fast forward again, about 50 years. Um, Hobson, he of Hobson's choice, has built a, uh, what he calls a spinning house, um, a workhouse um, for, 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 you know, those who are down on their luck to... Um, build themselves back up into respectful society, respectable society. And respectable society is already paying money to the university, so they don't have to pay too much in taxes. Nice. <laughs> a few hundred years on. And this spinning house has become a place for the university to incarcerate the women suspected of evil. And uh, we're talking quite a few hundred years on. In fact, this story is based in 1891 nearly living memory. They were still stopping women for the crime of A, walking with a member of the university in his robes. Ooh. Stop, search, detain. 14 days you could get for this. 14 days. Um, you were uh, 
medically examined because apparently the rise in STDs in the army at the time was down to the women. So they got stop search medically examined and there was someone on the books who was paid 10 shillings for the uh, job of whipping the women. Yeah. Now various, now the, the, the town's growing in strength and the, the, there'd been various um, protests against this and the university had stopped stopping and searching but then, and it's a weird coincidence that it's roughly six months after they've been told you're going to have to start paying taxes now, suddenly the stopping and searching starts again. And um, our heroine, Daisy Hopkins, she probably was a prostitute, in fact, she almost certainly was, but somehow this was the final straw. This 17-year-old girl stopped and searched and thrown in prison and not even read any kind of thing to answer against. And this, the town went, fuck this. You know what? They had, not literally, but a whip round and um, got, <laughs> got her a QC to defend her all the way from London. And the case went all the way to London. It turned up in newspapers both locally, nationally, internationally. The New Zealand version of Hello! magazine talks about what she was wearing. <laughs> and yet in all of this, we never hear Daisy. She was never um, given a charge to answer against, which is how they got her out uh, in the end, because she was, she was thrown back in prison. But they said, habeas corpus, you have the body. You never gave us any charge to answer against. So they got her out on a technicality again. But you never, there's never anything written about what she thought, what she said, what happened to her. And so because she wasn't allowed to speak up at her own trial or anything like that, because her dress was ripped and she unsuccessfully sued for its um, replacement, I hope that I've done her voice justice in this story. She flicks forward slickly to the poem, Walk With Me. And it had been a pretty day. Bare twigs scratching and tapping on the window saying come and play and me saving myself for the night to come but conceding to a blue gown deep as December to take the gold the fire of my eyes his sparkling when they lit on me. He wanted to walk with me to talk and know the town to know us better such a pretty tongue he had gilded with the rhythm of other shores breathing his life onto my fingers as the night deepened reluctant to relinquish them and then Fred Wallace, his voice as flat as marshes, hand heavy and sharp as winter branches, bids me come, and in the mess of shouting, the blistering spin of the world lurching, my gentleman releases me, quite limp now, a rag hanging like the shreds of my blue best in the fists of the proctor's bulldogs. Tonight, I dangle on the nail of Hobson's choice. They've drained the town into this frozen hulk of stone and spy holes. Snow and ice-cold welcomes, tight belts, ten-shilling welts, and evidence carved from rough-spread legs. They say now, I'll have my own silk, which means a tiger quick and ready to defend me better than my best dress ever did, so all I can see in front of me is gowns, the town behind me, but my voice silenced as a pretty mister cringes, whispering our words which seem to matter more than Mr. Lyon's Latin. So here again... In four walls, bare as virtue, they have my body, locked and spinning in a muttered silence that no curse can break, no gold, no nudge, no fist. And all my name now means, nor ever will, is this. Thank you very much. Stand of tragedy. 
I should warn you, I'm going to sing part of this, uh, which is the real tragedy, uh, as you'll see. Um, this is from a, a, a play I wrote called Medea Chang Ching, which is a retelling of the myth of Jason and Medea as a custody battle for their only son. Actually, there's two in the myth, but I killed one off before. For their only son, and kind of, uh, if this doesn't sound too pretentious, for the future of the human race. Medea is from an agrarian, peaceful society. Jason is from the aggressive society of Greece based on trade and war and slavery. And he wins, and he gains control of their son. And Medea sees that their son is going to grow up to be the kind of monster that she's fought against all her life. And rather than let that happen, she kills him. This is the story. I'm doing three pieces from it. The first one is the opening. It's told by Jason, and if you're wondering how much of this to believe, I'll just mention that, in my opinion, and quite a few others, Jason is probably the biggest prat in Greek mythology. <laughs> Way back long ago in the jungle, I met Medea in a golden temple. Cupid shot her with a fatal arrow, made her my slave, pure and simple. Sure, I let her help me get the golden fleece. Hey, she begged me, pretty please, did you know? She betrayed her father, did you know? She killed her brother. You think I want that for my son's mother? Hey, I'm going to take him, and we got the makings of a bourgeois drama. Uh-huh, it's a bourgeois drama. We got blood, we got trauma. We got the makings of a death-o-rama, but it's psychological, so psychological back in the jungle. Everybody's equal, everybody's hungry, dirty, and poor. Or would you want to see your very own son work hard, die young, and be the victim of his enemies? Sure. Oh, some noble savagery, but I'm a man, and I see what I see, and it's a world where the strong are free. I got the power, a technology. I'm on top of exactly where I want to be. When you're hungry and you find some meat, but you find it standing up on two feet, hey, you'll be a winner or somebody's dinner in a bourgeois drama. Uh-huh, it's a bourgeois drama. We got blood, we got trauma. We got the makings of a death-o-rama. But it's psychological, so psychological. Nobody wins. Everybody loses. Nobody learns. Everybody bruises. Gonna be grim, you can take it from me. It's gonna be murder in the first degree. It's a goddamn genuine Greek tragedy. Wop-a-doodle-wop-a-doodle-wop-a. In the second piece, and I'm thinking I need to, because I'm kind of loud, I should be standing about here so I don't hurt your ears if I'm screaming and stuff, right? So you can all hear me now, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, in the second piece, uh, Jason has kidnapped their son, and Medea is calling on the forces of nature to give her the power to rescue him. Baby, can you see me? Baby, can you hear me? I can see you. Fresh in the miracle of birth, your eyes were the universe. The magic of life is in a single bond, mother and child. Mother and child, I'll touch your face. 
I'll reach through time and space. The fabric is woven with a single bond, mother and child, mother and child. Mother of the night inside us, show us the dark, the strange, the unborn, the weak that will be strong. Mother of the light that blinds us, Give us wings. Open up the skies! Wind, listen to me. Hear these words. Carry them to the trees. Shake the branches. Rattle the leaves. Roar down the mountains. Whistle and wail through crack and crevice. Pound and hail with surf and rain. Sweep the plain. Sweep the desert. Touch every animal, bird, fish, and reptile. Feather and scale. Leather and fur. Bugs, spiders, snakes, toads. Bushes, lichen, mosses, trees, vines, weeds, earth, claw, wind and bone, thunder, lightning, tiger, stone, all things powerful, all things bold, young and old, all things free and all things wild, bring back my child! The last thing, and this is the one that requires good singing, which I don't have, so if any of you are singers and actresses out here, this would be a great vehicle for you. <laughs> uh, Jason has won, Medea has lost. Her son is going to grow up to be a slave owner and a, an invader. And rather than let this happen, she kills him. And this is the song that she sings to him the lullaby before she kills him. Close your eyes, my little man. Let me love you for a while. Close your eyes till it's time to rise and shine. I promise across my heart. The earth can shake, hurricanes can blow. I love you more than you can know. I'll never let you go. If I held you for a thousand years, would that be long enough? No, no, no. If I were kept from you, bound by a million chains, would they be strong enough? No, no, no. How could it be possible to keep us two apart? I would cut through stone for you. I would cut through my heart. So close your eyes, sleep for a thousand years. Would that be long enough? No, no, no.
tell. Faye Roberts and David Lee Morgan really know how to use spoken word and poetry to share their tragic thoughts and ideas with an audience. Our producer, Bryony, had a discussion with them about how sharing tragedy through spoken word and performance poetry can be both cathartic for the performer and the audience. Oh, my name's Faye Roberts. Um, I'm a spoken word artist. I mostly do poetry. Uh, my poetry tends to be fairly blank verse. Got a bit of metaphysical stuff coming in there. The politics in there are kind of um, subtle, I'd say, to say the least. And it's uh, it can come across quite personal, even when it isn't. I am the director of spoken word for the uh, Free Fringe this year. Hello, I'm David Lee Morgan. Not crazy about the Lee, but there's so damn many David <laughs> Morgans in the UK that I had to do something. Writing, uh, yeah, I've failed in virtually every genre. The one I'm working at now, spoken word. I guess I've always written spoken word, but I didn't know it. Um, I've been to the fringe twice before doing spoken word acts back before there was such a category. I think the first time was in 97. I just had all the stuff I'd written and I threw it up in the air and then asked the audience to pick up anything they wanted me to read. And then I had, I had, I had to fill a two-hour shot. Uh, so I uh, had a talk show for the second half where I invited interesting people from everyday places in Edinburgh to be my guests and I would interview them as if we were all on the Letterman show. Okay. Mm -hmm. Clever ploy, because that meant I had an audience every night, which without them I might not have. And I met some interesting people, but that's too long. My show is called Science, Love, and Revolution, and it's the stuff I've written over the last couple years since I've come back to London from Newcastle and seen that the spoken word scene has just exploded, and it's, it's international. Because spoken word puts more of a premium on truth-telling than technique, yes. yeah, the whole spoken word scene in the UK and in London especially is like this big debate from people from different parts of the world. And it's kind of really inspired me to, to put down what I think of the world. Is the fringe the perfect place to express these tragedies in the world around us? Oh, goodness, yeah. There's well, Especially because we're part of the, the free fringe, so it's... Um, the capacity for both the audience and the artists to experiment is is huge because <clears throat> no one has to, to to pay out anything except you know living expenses while they're up there. You can afford to be as um, as bold as you like, and that means that whether you know this, this truth speaking that Dave was talking about, which is exactly right, it's the whole kind of verity of spoken word is. You know, you both of us have, have been to slams, whether we've performed in them or if we've curated them or just been in them, and. Um, I've, I find that the pieces that win tend to be the ones that are true, not factual necessarily, but true. It doesn't matter, you can have someone who comes up who's got great technique, who's, you know, um, masterfully, uh, you know, projecting and has got great timing and all the rest of it, and it's either funny or it's really political or whatever, and that will lose out to someone who gets up and quite humbly gives you something that actually speaks to the audience. The audience have more choices at the fringe, and it again, if we make it more about them than about the ego of the person behind the microphone and stage under the lights, whatever, then yeah, it kind of kind of gets back to a, a truer communication, more more about art, I guess. 
So do the tragedies teach the audience more, or are they something quite cathartic for the performer as well? To what extent would you say that comes across? Well, of course, truth-telling isn't always tragic. It can be quite funny. Um, and I think also there's a phrase, uh, transgression. Uh, I've heard it talked about on Radio 4 as if it was kind of just like pricking the bourgeoisie, but it, it's not that at all. It's, it's about telling secrets that, that are yours or other people's that you have no right to tell. I was talking to someone about what the difference is between um, spoken word genre and page poetry, because that's, that's quite a thing. Trying to explain to people who know about poetry as something they read or something that's read to them um, in reading rather than performance was, um, it's quite difficult to explain, isn't it? Um, mm. And I found myself describing this in the form of trans, not transient art, but it's very much of the moment. It's very much alchemical, because whatever, when someone experiences art, they take away something else from it and transform it into something in their own head. So transformative as well as transgressive, I guess. Um, but you've got two parts to that with performance art, which is that the performer is doing, is pre delivering something different each and every time they do that for a whole variety of biochemical, physical, emotional, whatever reasons, just the sheer geography of the room they're in. Um, and so you have this this piece of art, this this experience of this piece, the people in that room, that, that's the only time that's going to happen. And you might do your same show the next day, but it's completely different because of because of all these factors. So Edinburgh um, is the perfect platform for Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah. So people who understand that or who even want to grasp that, yes, it's it's perfect from all the street art and the free shows and things happening in places that aren't usually about performance. That's that's what I love as well. You kind of take over these things which are sometimes literally wine cellars or, you know, um, abandoned cupboards somewhere that get kind of cleared out and you know shows get put on suddenly they get transformed with with lights and a little bit of, of technology and some seats and suddenly there here's a place where art is going to happen and you know people's expectation is right there you're exhorting people on on the on the royal mile saying try something different no seriously you've been to all the people that you've seen on the tv now try something completely different and you know that's that's what it's for yeah. Why should people go to Edinburgh then? Greatest show on earth. More people, more shows, lots of free stuff, lots of stuff that costs very little, and lots of fringe moments where you find something in an unexpected place that no one regards and suddenly you have this magical experience. If you want to experience catharsis or you want to experience intimacy, you want to experience the range of emotions that you can get from art. The Edinburgh Free Fringe is a great place to do that. There's so many different kinds of creative people doing different kinds of creative shows in close proximity to each other that you can just walk around, pop in and feel lots of different emotions. Faye Roberts does an amazing job heading up the spoken word branch the PBH Free Fringe. At Stand Up Tragedy, we're all so grateful for everything she's done and we'd just like to, to say thanks to her here on the show. You should check out Faye's show up in Edinburgh, which is Other Voices Spoken Word Cabaret, which you can see at the Banshee Labyrinth from the 3rd to the 26th of August, excluding Wednesdays at 2.50 p.m. in the afternoon. Check out David D. Morgan. He is doing a show called Science, Love and Revolution. And that's also at the Banshee Labyrinth. That's from the 3rd to the 24th of August, excluding Sundays. And that's at 12.30 p.m.
Another brilliant way to show your support and to get something in return for that support is to download A Maze of Breaths, which is a collection of donated tracks that Stand Up Tragedy curated for Spoken Word at PBH's Free Fringe. You can buy the whole album, which is a 19 amazing, diverse, high-quality tracks for just £5. Or you can buy each individual track for £1 each if you only want a couple of the tracks. Search for A Maze of Breaths on Bandcamp. If you want to keep up with Stand Up Tragedy, find out what we're doing, go over to www.standuptragedy.co.uk. That's the place where we're going to be keeping you up to date with who's performing with us at the Fiddler's Elbow in August. We've got some brilliant performers who are going to be telling tragedy on our stage, including Robin Ince, who is one half of BBC Radio 4's Infinite Monkey Cage. We've also got Sarah Campbell, who does amazing comedy, and she's a writer for Russell Howard's Good News. And we've got Rob Alton, who is an amazing spoken word slash comedian. He's going to be doing some tragedy with us. We're really pleased with our lineup. Check it out by going over to Facebook, where there is a Facebook page for our time in Edinburgh. So check that out, and that's got the full lineup on it. Up with the tragedy, because there's going to be so much of it going on. And the best part of it, it's all for free, whether it's our live show at the Free Fringe or it's our daily free podcast. brilliant episode of the podcast next week where we'll be sharing the performance that Josie Long gave at our last live London show. She shares some personal tragic new material exclusively for Stand Up Tragedy. And we also got an interview with her about what she does. That's going to be on the 2nd of August. That is going to be kicking off our daily version of the show. And until next time, thanks for listening. Now the tragedy is over. by Bryony Hawkins and recorded by Stephen Harvey. Our theme tune was written by Sam Wilkinson, who can be contacted at radiohuan at yahoo.co.uk and our outro music was written by the Reactionaries and produced by the amazing George Brufton.